Jumbo, 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 Jumbo Karibu, everybody. Jumbo Karibu. This is your host, Dr. Ruth, the Seven More Akumbo. And I am the host of Jumbo, Dr. Akumbo, bringing you cultural relevant, multifaceted conversations and reflections intersecting education, entertainment, and business committed to DEIB and cultural capacity building. My guest today is Kevin Coffey. Professor of Communication Studies at West Los Angeles College. Go West! Today we will be discussing thinking in education. We will address some issues and offer you some solutions. Oh, Kevin, Jumbo! How are you? I'm doing good. Awesome. Uh, so we, we already know about you, your names, and you, Kevin, you're the, the professor of um communication, communication studies, studies at, at west, west los angeles mm -hmm. and i'm also a lecturer at california at uh, cal state university at long beach so I, i'm at a couple places now right congratulations on expanding <laughs> everybody knows your name from our last episode which i will put the link in the description below uh, uh, in the description below for anybody who wants to know kevin's name and the fun stories that come with kevin's names so guys, <laughs> before we dive in, check out Kevin's name in the bio from our last session. <laughs> <laughs> now, today we want to talk about the boogeyman of education. We want to talk about thinking in education overall. So Kevin, what yes. are your thoughts on the subject just broadly before we start diving in? Well, broadly, uh, I, I believe we don't do enough thinking in education nor do we do enough thinking about thinking in education. Mostly, and this is going to go into what we're going to discuss, mostly what we what we are talking about when we talk about it, when we talk about thinking, is we're actually talking about teaching our machines to think or artificial intelligence, AI. When we talk about getting our students to think, we just use sort of this blanket term, thinking. Yes, we want you to think about this subject. Okay. What does that mean? What do you want me to do? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I have an 18-year-old son. And if I tell him to, if I say, think about this for a minute. Right. Think about what you're doing. Yeah. What am I really asking him to do? Right. Does he know? Are we sharing meaning there, which right. is the essence of communication? Are we sharing meaning? Are we meeting in the minds? Mm -hmm. Is he thinking, this, is he envisioning the same thing i'm envisioning yes and if not then yeah, right. there's a huge miscommunication and what and he might think he was thinking but i'm thinking no you didn't think about that at all right yeah. that that is such a great point because i remember the story of my niece recently she posted something on her uh, whatsapp page and i looked at it and i was like Okay, and I was like, "Really?" And she's like, "That that was like trying to provoke her to think, right?" And I'm giving the very short sentences. Okay, really? But I'm not. I'm like, think about it. And then I was like, "Then she's like, oh, it's nothing. It's just a video." And then I was like, "Think about it critically." That doesn't help her. Like, what am I asking her to do? So if she doesn't do anything or she reacts negatively, or she 
on on or she blocks me next day she's posting something <laughs> it does not help her in any way for me to just say think about it have i taught her how to think about stuff from what perspective am i telling her to think about it so i can't just tell a child what are you not thinking what is this why can't you think what <laughs> like why are you acting without thinking have i actually taken the time to give in this child to give this child what they need to think and it's what i'm thinking like you're saying it's what i'm thinking the what i'm expecting her to think is that the same directions in which do i want her to conceptualize exactly what i'm conceptualizing or in her head she's conceptualizing something completely different and thinking it's okay meanwhile i'm thinking oh no that's not what i want you to think about so that communication like you said is a, a huge missing gap even though we're talking about thinking and telling them to think <laughs> exactly you know and so you know that's the big you know that's the big missing element in education you know uh, as you come up from you know kindergarten even through college undergraduate mm -hmm. we are we give students we say here know this mm -hmm. okay and, and at some point we'll actually say Think about this. Mm -hmm. we, we want you to think about this. And what we've not done and what we've not done a good job at, what for the most part, we're still not doing a good job at, mm -hmm. is giving them an understanding of what we mean when we say think about this. Right. And because thinking is not, and I don't know how much we'll get into this, but thinking is not one thing. Mm -hmm. Thinking is many things. If you talk to computer scientists, this is what has got them, you know, this is one of the puzzles that they've had to put together mm -hmm. in terms of getting, art, in, in terms of developing artificial intelligence, is right. determining what exactly is thinking mm -hmm. and what is actually meant. Because when you tell, a, you know, because when you want to program a computer to think, when you want to develop a thinking algorithm, you have to be very precise about what it is you want this machine to do right uh, unfortunately we're not that precise with people <laughs> <laughs> and, that is and, so telling true. Them, and telling them okay this is precisely what i want you to do this is what i want you to carry out mm -hmm. and so oh go ahead so i was gonna say even even when you when you uh, look at a dictionary definition of thinking it seems a little bit vague. So listen to this. The process of using one's mind to consider or reason about something. So the thought, using thought or rational judgment or slash intelligence. Okay. What does okay. that mean to a child? What does that mean? <laughs> Not just a child, but what does it mean to a student? Even to an I, 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 can, I can talk, even to an adult. Yeah. I can talk to my undergraduates. I can talk to my very learned colleagues about th this notion of making a rational judgment. If I talk to 10 of my colleagues about making a rational judgment, I'm going to get 11 different answers about what a rational judgment is. And so, and we'll get to this towards the end of our discussion, I think. Um, how do we solve that problem? Right. You know, how do we, how do we solve this? And, and from, from my academic perspective, what's a miscommunication where, we're missing each other. We're not sharing meaning in what we mean by, say, a rational judgment or what we mean by thinking, thinking. Mm -hmm. all together. Yes. So 
now you were taking a you were you were talking about algorithm uh, algorithm <laughs> and how when we talk about thinking we program it that brings me to the boogeyman of education today you want to touch do you want to touch on the boogeyman of education today so that we connect the algorithm to thinking and then as we dive in people have a clear picture of the the, the craziness that is going on in education today attached to thinking in general it is. It is absolutely crazy. Um, the new, as you put it now, and you put it well, the new boogeyman is uh, this thing called Chat GPT, which is an artificial intelligence text generator. And what this thing can do is, what it's said to do is, it can create human-like text. In other words, it can create text that a human, that a human being, you or I or any anybody listening, they couldn't tell that a machine did it. Okay, which is which is just incredible. Yes. And it's scaring all of us in academia to death because now what can happen is because right now this is a free utility. Right. And so when we give our students a prompt, say, to write something in my in my case, I might say uh, create a speech on a certain topic, a persuasive speech on why we shouldn't text and drive, for example. Which is not a speech I would, I would give my <laughs> but anyway, um, they could give that prompt to this Chat GPT, and the Chat GPT would ask it a few would ask the inputter a few questions, and then develop this kind of presentation. So we have gone from plagiarism <laughs> <laughs> to programming computers to think for us instead of programming the kids and to, to, to think for themselves and be excited about thinking. So, exactly. Yeah. It, 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 no, exactly. And, and it, it, there, there's a lot, we, we could do a whole, we could do a whole podcast on, on this chat GPT and it's, and it's potential impacts in higher education, in education, right. higher education period. Right. But the big thing to me was this is, and I think it led us to, this, this 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 topic is that the creation of text or writing to me is thinking mm-hmm. you know embodies thinking this is the, the 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 creation of the text is the output of thinking and so when our students or when we as a people move from wanting to produce this thinking to wanting a machine to produce this thinking for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we do ourselves, we are we are at the precipice of doing ourselves a disservice. I won't say it's a disservice yet, but I'm saying we can see doing ourselves a disservice from this position. So right. and um, and I think oh go ahead. Okay. It's like I think to a certain degree. We a lot of students have been doing themselves a disservice already because students that plagiarize or students that um that would have somebody else write their papers for them, this new algorithm is just a less expensive way of doing all of that. So we have already started on that track. So we're like you said, we're at the purposes now. But it's like we've progressively been coming to this place that we are today. And on we we need to really seriously think about 
doing a U-turn because we need our kids to be excited about thinking for themselves. Absolutely. Because we need a thinking populace. Right. You know, we don't want a populace that is solely, that is not solely, but largely dependent upon a utility to think for us. We don't want thinking to be the realm of a very narrow few and a great number of machines. Right. And so what's interesting to me is, so what's, and, and I'll use your, I'll use your analogy. What's brought us to this point? Yes. And I, and I think there are three things that really have brought us to this point. And the first of this is that we have a student, we have, at least from my perspective, what I've seen is that we have a group of students who are literally afraid of thinking. Yes. If you listen, just go to any college campus, go to any high school campus and listen to how students speak. I will bet you whatever you want, dollars to dimes, yeah. that you will hear, I feel more than you hear, I think. I agree. 100%. When I came to the United States, that confused me a lot because every conversation somebody said, I feel, I feel, I feel. I was like, why is it that everybody's talking about feelings? Like, why is it that everybody's talking about I feel? This is a situation where you're supposed to be thinking. Why are you talking about I feel? So now, after living here for 20 years, I'm starting to use the terms I feel, I feel. But that was never me. It was more, it was, it was more, I think, I think. Exactly. And it, it's it's okay to say I feel when it's actually a feeling that you are 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 trying to articulate. Exactly. Like I feel love, I feel mm -hmm. hungry, I feel cold. Sad. You, no. sad, exactly. Those kinds of things are properly articulated with the term I feel. Mm -hmm. But I don't feel we should go to this store as opposed to that store. No, that's <laughs> an I think. You know, you know, that's an I think. Right. But students are afraid of thinking. And one of the reasons I think that students are afraid of saying I think comes from the thing we have drilled. And, and this as, an, as, as a teacher, mm -hmm. I'm a part of that. So I'm not exempting myself. Right. But I'm, I'm trying to get better. The thing that we've drilled into students is this fear of being wrong. Mm -hmm. There is so much, there is such a great social penalty in being wrong. If you don't have the right answer, you, you are penalized socially. And a lot of our students today, they don't want that. They don't want that penalty. Whereas when you say, I feel, you're always right. Mm -hmm. Because it's you, it's your feeling. Mm -hmm. But somehow when you think, when we say we think, we can't be wrong there. Right. You know, so I, I think that's that's one of the things. So there's this fear of thinking and, and really it's a fear of being wrong. Being you know, wrong. I, I, yes. Well, yeah. Well, well, I love when people say, you know, when, when people tell me, oh, yeah, I'm afraid of flying. I had a student say that to me on uh, the other day. And they said, I'm afraid of flying. And I'm like, uh, are we afraid of flying or are we afraid of crashing? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Change of perspective. <laughs> because most people, the, the act of just staying up and, you know, going up, staying mm -hmm. up and then coming down, that's that's all right with them. Mm -hmm. It's this notion of 
<laughs> of crashing, of falling. Right. What that's, happens when I start coming down? Will I yeah. like you? Know. You, you know, it, that's the fear. You know, that's the fear. So, so yeah, when when people talk about, you know, when I say they're afraid to think, what they really what they really are is afraid of being wrong. Being wrong. Mm -hmm. In yeah. that thinking. Yeah, and it's it's interesting you said that because in um, one of the episodes I have the fear of failure. One of my episodes is the fear of failure. And this will tie in really nicely. And I'll put that also in the description below because I think it will tie nicely with what you just nailed on right now. The fear of failing and the fear of um, being wrong. Students don't want to be wrong. Nobody wants to get that. Nobody wants, nobody wants to be wrong. Nobody wants you know. to get an F in the paper and they have to repeat the class and pay for, for another class or they pay back with time, with money, with everything. So they don't want to be wrong. And, 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 and there's also... There's 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 a social regard that you have when you're that you get. There's a social reward that you get when you're right. Um, there's a certain esteem boost mm -hmm. that you don't get that that's taken away from you mm -hmm. when you're seen as wrong. Right. And so people would rather just and, and none of you know, most of us, I, I won't say none of us, most of us don't want to be wrong. We want to be right. Mm -hmm. You know. I want to be right in what I'm saying right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you and me both. We don't want to mislead anybody. We, right? We, 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 that's right. And so, and, and so, there's a great fear in not in, in 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 not articulating that. So people would much rather say nothing, mm -hmm. or say I feel, than to say I think. Uh, the second thing I think we've already touched on. This is the second problem we think it, we've already touched on. It. We don't know what we mean by think. Mm -hmm. So we so like we both said, you know, you were telling you said your niece, my niece, and, and I was telling my my son, think about what you're doing. <laughs> what is what does that mean exactly? Mm -hmm. You know, and so if people don't know what it means to think, I think intuitively, because it's so visceral, we know what it means to feel. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if if I say I feel some emotion or feel some sen physical sensation, we know what that means. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas thinking, we, we're not really sure. Right. And what goes along with that is the third thing, I think, is that we're not taught how to think. And again, mm -hmm. as an instructor, you know, that's on me. We're not taught how to think. Mm -hmm. Uh, we we spend billions on showing students what to think. Mm -hmm. Here's here's a subject matter, right? Amer um, American history, for example. Yes. We don't really want you to think about it. What we want you to do is memorize this set of facts. Mm -hmm. Take this set of facts in, and then I'm going to ask you questions about them, and you're going to give those set, that set of facts mm -hmm. back to me. Right. And that's what we want you to do. That is true. And that's why textbooks are such a hot commodity. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Hey, I'm not saying I love buying them. And I buy them in the soft copy and the hard copy. But it, it, it's it's all about what they want you to think. If I write a book, it's about what I want you to think about. Like, it's I'm not going to produce something where I don't want you to think. But we're saying that society needs to shift and give more room for 
children to think outside the box and give them the tools to think outside the box and help them not to have this fear of being wrong. Well, you know, you just, uh, you know, I had a, I had a note here. Oh, go ahead. You, no, no, you just, um, you, you, you just sort of gave the solution. I mean, you, 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 you just gave the three pronged solution. I think, um, if if I may sort of restate it for yes. myself for your audience, I, yes. you just you just said it. Wow, <laughs> you just said it. Um, the first thing, let's get out of let's think in terms of possibilities of opening lines of inquiry as opposed to thinking in terms of right and wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's the first step because that can, I think, alleviate this notion of this fear of thinking. For example, in my classrooms, I like to go, I like to tell students on the first day that there are no wrong answers in this class. Mm -hmm. And they all look at me side-eyed, you know, what do you mean there's no wrong answer? And and even some of my colleagues, when I tell them I do this, they go, what are you talking about? And I said, look, I tell my students, like, for instance, on an exam, mm -hmm. there are some answers I want you to match, mm -hmm. Okay. Now, if you met, if you match them, I go yay, and if you don't match them, I don't go. I, I go you. You didn't make the match. I, that's what I say. I say you didn't make the match. Not that you were wrong per se, but that you didn't make the match. And I think students take to that uh, more so than you were wrong. I mean, I, similarly in discussion, when I have something in my head that I'm that I would really like them to come to. You know, if students give me an answer that doesn't match what's in my head, I don't go, oh, that's wrong. I go, I actually go, oh, that could be a great uh, line of inquiry. But that's another possible. That's a possibility I didn't see. The only thing is it doesn't match what's in my head. You know, so if we move away from if we move towards greater possibilities, uh, bigger lines of inquiry. I think we can get students to take the chance to to think a little. And that's what you just said. You said, get out of this right and wrong mindset. You know, uh, the only thing I'm trying, the only thing I'm saying here is. Instead of just simply saying what we should get out of, right. let's talk about what we should get into. into. Mm -hmm. And then you hit the second one. You said, let's talk about thinking in terms of specific tasks associated with thinking. In other words, when I say think about it, or when we say think about it, rather, what do we, what do we explicitly mean? And now, we don't have, you know, we don't have the time, and I, I personally don't have the expertise to talk about all of the tasks associated with thinking, because there's a lot of them. But like, for instance, do we mean analysis, breaking things, breaking something down, breaking some concept, or yeah, breaking some concept down? Do we mean explanation, which is, you know, uh, describing something in a way that it makes sense to somebody else, so that somebody else can understand it in the same way? Question generation. It, you'd be amazed if you ask students, ask graduate students even. Uh, put up a random picture. I, I have a picture of, uh, of of a young lady, a young woman standing in the middle of a street facing a mountain. 
with a camera. And I say, how many questions can you generate from this picture? I'm going to give you five minutes. And initially, students get stumped because they're locked into this. Again, going back to the first one, they're locked into this thing. I don't want to get it wrong. They, they haven't opened up possibilities. Mm -hmm. And then when I just say, ask the stupid question, like, where did she get the pants she's wearing? You know, just ask. And once they go, oh, okay, we can ask them. Then they start to roll. And so by generating these questions, now they're, once they generated these questions, now they become more inclined to look for these answers. Mm -hmm. And that question answer is the essence of thinking. Right. So do you, do, are you therefore saying that providing a little bit more context to saying just think is, it's the best way to go and the structuring it in the form of questions actually help them now better contextualize it and better know what to do? Yes. I'm, what I'm saying is what we've done is we've, like, for instance, with question generation and then asking and then answering, rather, what we've done is we've given our students a specific task. Right. And so when we say think, it, it's not just this broad umbrella term, mm -hmm. but a very specific task. OK, I want you to generate some questions about something. Choose one of those questions and then answer it for us. Mm -hmm. Because when typically when we inform someone, what we're doing when we inform them is we're actually answering a question. You know, uh, if you know, so, we're actually answering a question, and that you know that's that's again part and parcel thinking. Mm -hmm. And so there, you know, so so there's that. And there's also um, there's this uh, there's cause and effect. There's this thing called first important and pri and uh, priority, which which is a way of organizing material. What comes first? What's most important? And what's a priority? Uh, these are all ways to organize themselves, organize material. Uh, there's there's best and worst case scenario thinking, like you know when you like for instance with your niece with that post, you could you could ask her. Like instead of saying think about this critically, you could say, okay, do a best and worst case scenario mm -hmm. for this. So what are the best things that could happen? List the best things that can happen from posting this. Mm -hmm. Okay, now list the worst things that could happen mm -hmm. in posting this. See, now she's thinking in a productive way, and it gives you all a place to discuss this. So you can now get an insight into, oh, okay, she was only looking at the possible benefit mm -hmm. of posting whatever. And she didn't look at maybe some of the potential, I, I don't know, maybe the potential harms right. in, in posting something like this. Right. Uh, so right. Yeah, that, I completely agree. <laughs> and you can get you can get a great deal of insight into how she how she's viewing what she's doing. And it gives you a place to, and it gives you a point of departure. Uh, something I like to do with my students is what's called Bayesian inference, which is, it, it, it's a big fancy name, 
but really all it is is that I asked my students, I said, okay, what could happen in this situation? Name name all the things you can think of that can happen in this situation. They name four or five things in some given situation. And then I say, okay, put a probability, assign a probability to each of these. Now, this has to equal to one. We can get into more of that. And this gives people an idea of how much, how do they think this thing is going to happen? And that gives me insight. I can look at it and go, oh, this is what they think is really going to happen. This they think, ah, that's not going to happen so much. Mm -hmm. And this gives them a way to look at their own thoughts on things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've, I've just named six, six thinking tools here. Mm -hmm. And if we were more precise in saying what we mean by thinking as opposed to using the, just the general umbrella term, mm -hmm. I think we would be we would be further along. Right. Could you just and, run the six again, like just quickly? Okay, yeah, 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 sure. Analysis, explanation, question generation. First important priority, it, they call it, it, it's called short for FIP, FIP, F-I-P, first important priority, cause and effect, and what they call Bayesian inference. Mm -hmm. Uh, these are just six, and there are many more such tools. Right. And I'm going to go to the final thing you said earlier, mm -hmm. which was explicitly teach these things in school. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, like you, you think Bayesian, you know, like again, Bayesian inference. It's got like this scary name. You can teach kindergartners that. Mm -hmm. You can say, you know, you can say, if I open the refrigerator door, which one of these three things is most likely to happen? Mm -hmm. And they can order those for you. And that's nothing more than a Bayesian inference. That's nothing more than you're not doing it numerically mm -hmm. yet. But that gets people's, but that gets little kids started saying, this is most likely to happen. This is next likely to happen. And this last thing is probably not going to happen. Mm -hmm. And you can do that with kindergartners. Right. Hey, I wanted to, to chop, uh, uh, ask you one thing before we before we go. What mm -hmm. is the the how do you know with, for example, we have the the boogeyman of, of education today and students not thinking and they, 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 they plagiarizing. They're getting orders to write their papers for them. They're getting algorithms to write their papers for them. How yes. do you actually know? Are you panicked about this whole thing? If so. Why and if not, why not? And how do you know when a paper is belongs to a child or not? And how okay. to solve those issues? Uh, much to the much to the chagrin of my uh, of many of my colleagues, I am not overly panicked by this. Right now, I I'm, I have smaller classes. I don't have the huge lecture classes, so I, I'm I'm fortunate in that sense. But for me, it seems relatively easy if we analyze that is break down the problem a little bit if we analyze the situation a little bit what we can find is that look i can easily talk to a student read a paper talk to a student ask that student a couple questions about the content of that paper and the concepts within the paper and i can know you either they wrote it and i go wow that was great or you didn't write this you didn't write this <laughs> yep uh, also, 
the, the voice people have in papers is not radically different. It can be, but that's mostly for more sophisticated writers. Radically different than their discussion voice. I won't say their normative informal voice, but their discussion voice. And so by just discussing this with, with, with the student, not even for a prolonged period of time, you know, five minutes, you can get a good sense of did they write this paper or speech in my case? Did they write this or did they not? And if they didn't, you take the appropriate measures, whatever that might be for your class or institution. You know, so I don't see it as a I don't see it as this big, as this huge impediment. Right. But I do see it, I do see it as another way for students not to think. Mm -hmm. But like you said earlier, we must give students every reason to think. Mm -hmm. We should encourage them and incentivize them to think and give them the tools and teach them how to use those tools mm -hmm. to think. And in that way, we become a part of the solution mm -hmm. and not just worried about some problem. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That is well said. And I am I am super excited that we were able to like dive into this topic, not too much in depth, but enough to offer some encouragement, some tools, some uh, uh, background as to thinking and why it's important to, to really make sure that we get our students back into thinking because our society is really being challenged in the in the area of critical thinking and unless we start talking about it and planning as instructors planning purposefully consciously to make sure that we incorporate the correct thinking tools in it then we're just going to keep doing a disservice to our students and the society as a society as a whole because we need more people we need more people to think not fewer Right. That is the word. I hope you enjoyed my conversations with Kevin today and we'll put into you some of the tips that he shared with us or some of the solutions he offered on critical thinking or thinking in general. Please check out the last episode I did with Kevin titled Cultural Relevance of Mathematics. That is also a very rich episode and you will learn the meaning of his name, as we previously mentioned in that episode. If you'd like to be a sponsor of one of my shows, do contact me. The details are in the description box. Also, if you would like to just donate to support the work that I'm doing, amplifying vo Black voices, amplifying minority voices, bringing you information from diverse perspectives, focusing on entertainment, education, business, cultural capacity building and diversity equity and inclusion any of these topics are welcome and i will be very happy to bring you on the show if um we do align if you want to just sponsor my show i am i will be grateful for your support also in that regard until next time caribou everybody <laughs> <laughs>